Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, it's truly a, an honor to be with you here this morning. Uh, thank you, the congregation, to open the doors and to welcome us over here. Uh, my name is Medar Ngeita, and I am the Executive Director of World Relief Western Washington. Um, um, before I, I begin sharing with you, let's, um, let's say thanks to the Lord for the opportunity to be, to be together. And I'm going to pray in French. Dieu de grâce, Dieu de bonté, Père notre salut en Jésus-Christ. Je veux te dire merci, je veux te bénir, je veux t'élever en dignité, Seigneur, pour ton amour envers nous. Merci infiniment, Saint-Père, pour cette opportunité d'être avec les frères et sœurs ici dans cette église. Merci pour ce que tu as pour nous, pour ce que tu vas partager avec nous. Ouvre nos cœurs, ouvre notre esprit, Seigneur. Dispose-nous à écouter ta voix. Enlève-moi de la peinture et mets-toi devant nous, Seigneur. Ouvre nos cœurs et nos esprits au nom de Jésus-Christ, je te prie. Amen. Um, thank you, brother Frank. Thank you for sharing uh, about your experience being um, a refugee yourself. And um, thanks for being open. Um, that's truly what refugees go through when they get into our community, into our neighbors. And thanks for sharing what it would take. And you talk about a lot of love. Um, that's what refugees need. Today I'm here representing World Relief Western Washington. Uh, World Relief Western Washington is part of World Relief, a global uh, Christian uh, and humanitarian organization, which has been addressing refugee needs but other problems in our communities around the world for over 80 years. And World Relief Western Washington has been serving refugees um, for over 43 years. It's since 1973 that World Relief, which we used to be World Relief Seattle, that's the name, uh, all that time, and only last year we became World Relief Western Washington. Now, World Relief's mission is to empower the local church to serve the most vulnerable. That's what we're up to, to empower the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Um, since 1973, in response to those fleeing war in Southeast Asia, the Western Washington branch had been open. And since then, though we were small at that time, opening up and serving few people, we were really strong and mighty in vision on where do we want to go with this. And that's what took us through that whole journey to become World Relief Western Washington. We have three offices, um, the one in Kent, which is our King County location, uh, which has been, like I said, been serving refugees for over um, 43 years. And then last year, by God's grace, we opened a new office in Bellingham, so in Whatcom County. And we have been praying for God to open more locations where he would provide opportunity to other communities to serve those who are at his heart. And so this year, we're having that privilege of opening the office in uh, Thurston County. We're really excited about that. And I remember when uh, last year I sat with Pastor Paul and we were talking about this. This was a project and we prayed about it. And it's no longer a project, it is a reality. We are opening an office. Thank you. Um, so, um, 
The office is already open. Natalie, who's our resettlement manager here, uh, she's from the, from the area here in, in Olympia, and so she will be uh, serving as our um, resettlement manager over here as we begin. Now, our vision as an organization, um, as Western Washington, our vision is to see every refugee and immigrant be welcomed by community, rooted in community, and empowered for community. Uh, you heard the story of Brother Frank. Um, he was welcomed in South Seattle when they first landed. And they were made belong to that community. And they rooted. Now he's living in Olympia. But they felt welcomed. People opened up their hearts and welcomed them in. And now they are part of the community. And he is serving, uh, working at Fred Meyer. He is empowered to serve other people in the community. And that's what we stand for in terms of our vision. Um, to see every refugee and immigrant be welcomed by community, rooted in community, and empowered for community. These are, are the different programs that uh, we use to serve refugees and immigrants in the community. Uh, we have a welcome service. We have the next gen, which we change into children and, and family. And then we also have legal and justice department that we um, serve people through um, adjustments of their um, legal needs, and then economic empowerment, spiritual care. But we also have some planks um, that we use. So these represent different ways by which we work together as we see every refugee and immigrant be welcomed by community, rooted in the community, and empowered for community. Um, can we um, get this move to the next one for me here? Um, now. I said that we serve refugees and immigrants. Um, a real quick um, definition here for some of you, because sometimes we use those words interchangeably. So there are refugees, there are asylees, and there are immigrants. Um, those are the people that we serve as an organization. Refugees are people who have been forced to flee their home country due to a persecution. And a persecution can be based on either their political opinion, either their religious beliefs, belonging to a um, social group like LGBT or whatever you can name it, um, or because of their nationality. Uh, we're, this morning as we were driving in, I heard about uh, refugees, the Rohingya refugees in China who are in the camp. Um, and, and also the Uyghurs. So when people are, are persecuted and have to flee their country, they become a refugee somewhere. Asylees are people who leave their country for those persecutions as well, but they end up in a country where they seek asylum. And then immigrants, so the difference between refugee and, and, refugee immig uh, and asylees, and then an immigrant is that there is a push out for refugees and asylees, and immigrants, there is a pool in for the opportunities that they are going in for. So these are the group of the people that we serve as an organization. Um, speaking of all of that, today here, I'm here to share with you what is it that we do as church. Um, and I'm sharing with you today out of what I call standing in the gap is a Christian calling. Standing in the gap is a Christian calling. And I'm going to be reading out of Luke 4, uh, from verse 16 to 21. Um, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. 
And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as, he, um, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and he scrolled of the, pro uh, the prophet Isaiah was, um, was handed to him. Scrolling it, he found a place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He was sent, uh, he was sent to proclaim freedom to, the, uh, to, uh, freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that's what I wanted to focus on today. Standing in the, in the gap is a Christian calling. You all know that we live in a world that is broken and that does not do justice to all. The man-made systems work for those who design them and leaves the majority of people in despair. Hence, the poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed, the refugees, the immigrants, and others are the result of that, of the man-made systems that oppress people and does not create justice for all. But the good news is that we, the Christians and believers, have been anointed to stand in that gap. When we see the prisoners, when we see refugees, when we see immigrants, when we see the blind, that's what we are called for. However, how much are we committed to is the question. As Christians, how much are we committed to standing into that gap is the question. And in what we just read, Jesus just returned from the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Coming out of that temptation of 40 days in full power of spirit, he is challenging the status quo and setting the example for us as Christians, which is what he read. And the challenge that Jesus is um, calling us to is the center of my message today. With that being said, I wanted to reflect first on the status, uh, on the state of our world through the lenses of the global displacement, because I'm representing World Relief and we're talking about refugees and immigrants here. So I wanted to focus on uh, the global displacement. Then look at the fact that we Christians are set apart for the good news. And I will conclude with um, some questions on how are we doing being Christians? That takes me to my first point this morning with you, which is the global displacement. Today, there are over 100 million forcibly displaced people worldwide. And to be precise, 103 million uh, for, from the last statistics that we had are people who are forcibly displaced worldwide. And of that number, 52 million of them are internally displaced people. So people who have been forced out of uh, where they will call home 
but they did not leave their home countries. They are still within the borders of their country. Those are the ones that are called internally displaced people. And there are over 32 million that are, ref that are refugees. So those who are registered as refugees, over 32 million of them. Almost 5 million are, um, are seeking asylum worldwide. These are persecuted and oppressed people fleeing and seeking freedom. Some of them are fleeing for unnecessary wars instigated by evil mind or greed of power. That's the state of the world in which we are today. Unnecessary wars, people who want to grab the power and want to extend their power. And as these um, shocking numbers continue to grow, as you can look at it, less than 1% of the people called refugees will ever get a chance to be resettled. Less than 1% of the over 32 million who are registered refugees, like brother shared earlier, will ever get a chance to be um, resettled in another uh, country and in another community. And of that less than 1% of the people who will get a chance to be resettled, we as community will get a chance to walk alongside them as they rebuild their lives. So World Relief and you, uh, World Relief and you all in the congregation will be walking alongside them as, uh, through that journey as they, re they rebuild their lives. The word, that, the word that we just read called us to welcome them and to proclaim hopeful news to them. Um, that's part of our calling. When people will start coming into our community, we are called to welcome them, to walk alongside them as they rebuild their lives into this community. And that takes me into my second point today, this morning with you, um, which is that we, as Christians, through the calling and the example that Jesus set for us in the reading that we just had, is that we are set apart for good news. In verse 18, the scripture says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. That's what we, wrote, we just read to, together this morning. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. The identity of Christian uh, that we have as followers of Christ sets us apart for great and mighty things. Through that anointment, through that anointment, God calls us. That's why we were anointed. And through the Spirit, God equips us. So God calls us by anointing us as Christians, and then through the Spirit that is within us, he equips us for the challenges in our world, for the mass displacement that we have seen. When God calls us and equips us, no challenge is too big for us to face. No challenge is too big to overwhelm us because we are set apart and we have something greater within us 
that we can overcome the challenges, the mass displacement, that we can see brothers and sisters who are coming into our community and who are going to be our neighbors, we can walk alongside them. The word teaches us in Galatians 5 verse 22 that the fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, and faithfulness. That's what we know when we read Galatians 5. Love, kindness, peace, joy, and faithfulness. Moreover, in 2 Corinthians verse 3 to 17, the spirit of the Lord is characterized by freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's, why we, that's what um, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says. Now we said that refugees are people who have been forced out. Freedom has been taken away from them. They cannot live freely. And we will have that opportunity to walk alongside them once they get into our community. Hence, we are set apart to love one another to show kindness and bring joy and peace to those who do not experience it or deprived from it. That is our Christian identity, to show love, kindness to those whose experience has never been with peace, with kindness, with freedom, because it was taken away from them. That is how we should walk. That is how we should talk, and that's also how we should live our lives as Christians. Our Christian identity calls us to be the solution to our broken world. Over 103 million people are forcibly displaced. But we, as Christians, through our identity, we are called to be the solution to that. By the way, that number that I shared with you, the 103 million people forcibly displaced, just last year, it was 80 million. Just last year, 80 million. And now we're talking about 103 million people forcibly displaced. That is huge. Yes, it is a statistic, but it's tied to individuals, human beings, faces, and names like any one of us in this room. We should not be passive in the face of injustices, persecutions, and sufferings of, of others. Instead, we should be proclaiming the good news. That's who we are, the Christian identity that we have. And like I showed you earlier, I shared with you earlier, at World Leaf Western Washington, we envision to see every single refugee and immigrant be welcomed by community, rooted in community, and empowered for community. But that can only happen if we Christians embrace that identity fully, to show that care, that love, to welcome them into the glory. Reality Church. Are you ready to partner with World Relief Western Washington as we open the office here in the community to serve and welcome our new, our new neighbors so that God's glory is shown through our lives? What is your calling as a congregation? And how are you living that calling 
And what is your calling as an individual church member? And how are you living that calling? That takes me into my third point, which is that question, how are we living the calling? We know God's heart is for the marginalized and the vulnerable. As it was mentioned through the list, when Jesus read that passage out of Luke, Jesus, uh, Jesus concluded in that reading, after he went through the list, the prisoners, um, the blinds, the oppressed, refugees, and immigrants, he concluded his reading by saying this, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's the challenge for us as Christians. And today we all have read something together, which Jesus read when he stood in that synagogue. And he was challenging the status quo. And today we all in this church are also being challenged by that same scripture. We have seen the numbers. We know that soon people will be coming into the community. Is that a scripture fulfilled in your hearing this morning? This is really a defying statement to all of us. It is really a defying statement. Um, we live in the world that is full of distractions. Sometimes our own view of things is limited to our environment and the people with whom we associate ourselves with. Sometimes we're that limited, being human beings. Therefore, we also are blind to the reality of the world. In the next few months, World Relief will begin to receive and place refugees in our community. They will need all of us to walk alongside them. That's a reality. All the refugees that will be arriving in the next few months will be our new neighbors, and they will need all of us to walk alongside them. And the truth is, unless we all get out of our comfort zone, that living, of, living through that calling of being Christians will not be possible. We have to challenge ourselves, we have to extend ourselves and to get out of our comfort zones. And when we do, let's always stand in the gap that God will, re will reveal to each one of us what is it that I'm seeing? Where is God calling me? What, is he want, what does he want from me as I'm seeing some new neighbors in the community? People who are different from me. People who have different cultures than me. People who look different than me. You know, last year I had the opportunity to be um, the commencement speaker for um, the undergraduate students of Seattle Pacific University. Um, it was really a uh, humbling privilege to be part of the graduation because the, the last three years they did not have a graduation commencement due to the COVID, right? And so I had the students from the classes of uh, 2019, 2020, and 2021, and having this privilege to be standing and speaking to these students who are going to go out into the community and to start serving, 
and, uh, and who will be challenged. And one of the things that I shared with them is that our world is messed up. That's true. I mean, we have seen over 100, uh, 103 million people forcibly displaced. We see people being killed regularly in our communities. We see so many people homeless. We see so many people who sleep without food. The challenge is real. But what I told them is that each one of them can be a brick of solution. It's only when we lay those bricks to one on top of each other that we can build something strong, that we can build a castle. And that's exactly what we, as community, should be doing when we start seeing new neighbors coming into our community. Things are what they are. I mean, when we look at the 103 million people, or when we see homeless people in our communities, when we see people hungry in the community, it is because people who have the opportunity to do something about those things do not act. People stay passive. That's why we continue by seeing these overwhelming numbers and we continue to see um, things that are not right in our community because those who have the opportunity to do something about it do not act. Is that the state where we want to be as a church? Are we not going to act? As we get ready to, um, to, to, to welcome our first families into the, um, into the community, uh, brothers and sisters, um, let us open our eyes to see the gaps that God will reveal to us. And to live a life that proclaims the Lord's favor to, uh, to all. Let us live a life that proclaims God's favor to all. That's how I wanted to leave you with this. And if you are wondering, as we're opening our doors, being a congregation or church members, I have some opportunities for you. Um, we are set to see our first families come in starting in, in April. And here are some opportunities. If you are trying to figure out where is God calling me, where should I be, um, we have some volunteer opportunities. Being a good neighbor team. A good neighbor team is a group of church members who come together and they get trained into what it means to, to walk alongside new families that are coming. And they provide full services to them, helping families to, um, to enroll the kids in the school, helping them to get into ESL classes, helping them to find jobs, helping them to find uh, an apartment, and to walk alongside them. That's a good neighbor team. You can also become a cultural companion a cultural companion is, a, is an individual or a couple or a family that can be assigned to a refugee family and they meet with them maybe once a week just to spend time together, be friends to them, help them to go grocery shopping, help them to be in the park. Oh, by the way, today there is a game at our church I would like to invite you to. That's a cultural companion just being a friend to them so that they, after leaving friends and family members back home or in another refugee camp and they get here, you can be a cultural companion. You can volunteer um, uh, with our um, youth programs 
and that means helping children, you know, um, getting their homework. American system is so, so complex. And for some of us coming from elsewhere, I mean, I have been living in the U.S. for what, um, 16 years, over 16 years now, but I keep on learning new things about American school system. Last year, I learned something about homecoming. Is that how you call it? <laughs> Only last year, my son was talking about homecoming. I'm like, what is homecoming again? Because he was so stressed trying to figure out what clothes to wear, and I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, I'm going to homecoming. What is homecoming? It is a place where we get together because we're... So every year we keep on <laughs> learning things. <laughs> um, so, so yes, you can be that person who can help new family members to understand the American system, a school system. It is needed. Um, people will need a place to stay. So you can become a host home, um, a volunteer. A host home is um, someone with spare rooms in their house or in their apartment where they go through a training and they get vetted as volunteers and they can welcome families into that open space as a temporary stay place while we're looking for a permanent housing for people. So you can be a host home. Uh, you can also be a long-term housing provider. You may rent some of your rooms to individuals, you can help us to connect with people who own apartment complexes, so landlords or many apartment managers, you can talk to them and advocate that these families are coming, they will need a place, can you rent to them? Because here is the reality. Um, as you all know, renting a place in the US, you need to have rental history, you need to have credit, you need to have a stable job before someone can even entertain the idea of renting a place to you. Now these people, which is what I usually tell to landlords and uh, apartment managers is that they have been fully vetted by the federal government before they get here. And they have an agency and they have churches behind them that are supporting them. You do not need to hold back on anything. There is nothing for you to worry about. But like any other human being, you can rent to an American person who has a stable job, but things can happen in life. So that doesn't mean that it is not a risk. But the reality is that if you don't open that door for them to rent that first apartment, how will they ever be able to have a rental history? Someone has to create that opportunity for them. So you can be that advocate, you can be that connector to help us to um, connect with landlords and apartment complexes so that we can rent place to them. And um, you can partner with us by donating financially. Um, for every single refugee that arrives, we get $1,275 per person to work with them within the first three months. And during that time, the $1,275 would pay for their rent, would pay for their housing, and, um, and furnish the apartment, and everything else that they will need. That is not enough. And therefore, we need financial supports. You can also host a gift, um, gift card drive where you can collect gift cards and we can use it to give to the families and they go out and buy something of their choice rather than us giving them something because then it puts dignity back to them. And they go and they make that choice. It also helps them to learn and to start going into the store 
um, as they take public transportation and get to connect with other people. So those are some opportunities that you can partner with us on as we see God writing his story and as we see his glory shining into the community as we begin to uh, welcome uh, people. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Paul shared earlier as well that we're opening our office, uh, which you have the opportunity to join us. We're opening this Thurston County office um, next Friday, and um, that will be at um, New Bridge Community Church, uh, which is where we're beginning, because we will build up our um, capacity to be able to rent a space for the office, and so for the time being, they had an office space where they are providing, and so we'll be in that office until we have more financial means to be able to rent a place uh, for, for the office. So, so join us as we cut the ribbon. There will be so many people coming there, some elected officials, city leaders, church leaders, uh, community members, and so that would be on Friday. So I invite you to join us on that as well. And if you're wondering about all our locations, we have the last, um, slide um, that shows you where our offices are. And all of this is part of God's glory, like I was saying, because God's heart is for the vulnerable, for the displaced people. For a quick story, last year when we opened our office in Whatcom County in Bellingham, there is a lengthy process to be able to open the office. You have to prove that the community is ready to welcome new refugees, and you have to write a proposal to the federal government. Many organizations submitted their proposal last year. They got turned down, and we had the opportunity to open the office in Whatcom County. This year, we turned around and we submitted another uh, application for the Thurston County. So many organizations did the same again, but we were able to have that approval from the federal government. And this is God's, this is a testimony that God is on the move and he is providing opportunity for more communities to welcome people who are at his heart through this uh, Christian organization, World Relief. And so we're thankful to God for that. Thankful to all of you for your prayers and consideration um, as we were going through this and now with three offices in the region, which is also why we, we changed our name from World Relief Seattle to World Relief Western Washington because we wanted to take the whole Western Washington uh, region as we provide opportunity to welcome new people into the community. So that's what I have to share with you this morning. And once again, Pastor Paul, thank you for the invitation and uh, thanks for having us over here. Natalie is from the community. She's been living here for over 25 years and she will be um, heading our office down here. I will be down on a regular basis to join as well. So thank you so much for having us over and thanks for the opportunity to share with you.